Good to have y'all here today. I want to talk to you about a few things and maybe help you to remember. Can you recall what was it that brought you to Christ? Did God have to hit you over the head with the two before? Did he have to bring a crisis in your life? Or even after you trusted the Lord? Has there been times in your Christian life there whereby you've drifted from the Lord and God had to get your attention? He had to kind of give you a wake-up call. Can you remember that? And you said, I'll never do that again. I'm going to walk with the Lord from here on. Has that day come where you've determined in your mind? I am determined. I've made up my mind. I will serve the Lord. How you doing? How you doing? Because you see, there's a time coming in the future where I have to give an account to the Lord for everything that we've done, good or bad. Now, our sins are taken care of, but God says that we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for what we've done, suffer the loss of what we could have had. So every day of our lives is affecting eternity. We learned a statement in college years ago, your future is being determined by your obedience to God today. So I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Amos. The book of Amos. This is on page 936 in an old Schofield reference Bible or in one of the Bibles that's in the pew in front of you there. And turn to the book of Amos in chapter 4, page 936. As you know, God, he, he loved his people. He loved the nation of Israel. He wanted to use them for his honor and for his glory. And there were times when they weren't, well, too honoring of his glory. And God had to deal with them. He was on the verge of really destroying the whole nation. Going to have them taken into captivity. All these things were done. They were warned. But some people just never get the message. They never get that wake-up call. They just don't listen, don't pay any attention. We're living in a country today where I don't know if God's people really understand the seriousness of us living right. It really doesn't matter too much about how dark it gets. It's just, are we shining the way we should? This is the perfect time for us to want to be used by God because the opportunities are unlimited. The world needs us. The world needs a good Christian example of somebody who has confidence in the Lord, walks with the Lord, and wants to be used by God, uh, the world doesn't have the answers. But we do. So here in the book of Amos in chapter 4, I want you to look in verse 6. And I have also given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and want of bread in all your places. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord, in other words, I've even brought famine upon you. You think, well, that would get you to come to me. He says, that, that, that didn't work. You'd be surprised how many times the preacher may say certain things as a warning. No, don't do this, don't do that, because it's going to hurt you. Anytime God says, don't do something, it's because it's going to hurt you. And so you tell a little child, don't put your hand in the fire. Why? Because I don't love my child. No, because you know the fire is going to hurt him. So when God says, don't commit adultery, it's going to hurt you. Don't lie and steal and cheat because it's going to hurt you. All those things that are sinful hurt somebody. 
You say, well, as long as it doesn't bother me, it bothers everybody. Sin is like a disease that you catch, and you have an old sinful nature, and it's hard to refuse. And everybody stirs up that old sinful nature in somebody else. Or you can just get angry, and you can make somebody else angry. Get discouraged, and you can discourage somebody else. Walk into sin, and you can get somebody to follow you. But it also works the other way. Look what he said in verse 7. And also I have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. And I caused it. You ought to underline those little statements. I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon and the piece there whereon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied yet. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord? Look, well, look what I've done to try to get your attention. You see, because you and I can't see God, doesn't mean that God is not working. If these scriptures are true, things are not happened by accidents. There's a lot of things that God is doing and working in your life. You just sometimes don't see it. And God may want you to do something wonderful for him, but you won't listen. You won't give him a chance. Sometimes you start wandering away from the Lord and it seems like so far so good. Like the guy that jumped off the Empire State Building. So far so good. But you knew he had an appointment with the concrete. God says there is an appointment coming. God will deal with us. We're not free to just do whatever we want to do without consequences. As I've said before, we are free to rebel against God. And God then is free to chasten however he pleases. Sound like a pretty good deal? You can live any way you want. And God can chasten you any way he wants. So therefore, I think it would be wise to serve the Lord. I would rather have his blessings than his chastening. Look what else he says down here in verse 9. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew with your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees and trees. The palmer worm devoured them. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. You, you still won't listen. And God says, when you came into the land, if you'll serve me, I will bless you. I'll take care of your enemies. I won't put any of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you. What a health care program. Obama cares nothing like this. And it wouldn't have cost him anything. All you had to do is just serve God. But when you don't serve God, God sends all kinds of diseases upon the people. All kinds of problems. And buddy, don't we have it today? I could get lost right on this subject, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Look at verse 10. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. And your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses and have made the stink of your camps to come up into your nostrils. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. You see, the one thing after the other. What would it take to bring you to God? Now see, if God does this to Israel, God teaches us examples in the Old Testament about how he works in our own lives. You see, God is very patient with us, but he gives us warnings. And sometimes if you don't hate it, and then all of a sudden, and then you wonder, well, what happened? Listen, you stumble before you fall. You don't just fall, you stumble before you fall. Oh, I fell into sin. There was a trail you took before you got there. There's things that you disobeyed before you got there. 
There's things that you watch and places you go, friends that you have, that influence. The next thing you know, I don't know what happened. Oh, yes, you do. Try to remember. Try to remember. You'll never become a drunk if you never take his first swallow. I ain't never seen a person become a drunk that didn't take a drink first. Have you? I've never had a drink, a strong drink in my life. Therefore, for 71 years, I've never been a drunk. You see, you have to do something in order to accomplish that. You don't have to do something just because, well, that's, everybody does it. Everybody does it. Oh, that doesn't satisfy. It's an addiction. And everybody is addicted to something. I became addicted to the cause of Christ. God and His Word got a hold of me years ago. And I wanted to serve the Lord. I watched enough people mess up their lives, and I thought, now why should I do the same stupid thing they're doing? If you think, I want to be different, then be different. Serve the Lord. There's no competition there. Most people aren't. They just play little games. Even people that just go to church, even bring a Bible occasionally. Even once in a while, they'll even say, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Yay, God. And you'll think, well, that, that, that's the, the end of my prayer life. God looked down to that little crack, bless us while we eat our snack. Amen. John Ben shot a rooster, killed a hen, chicken died, and rooster cried, and ain't you satisfied? Well, there you go. And that was in the depths of your spirituality. Well... So the Lord says here in verse 12, Therefore will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet God. In other words, as last resort, and you're not going to listen to me, prepare to meet God. Did you know that all of life is preparation to meet God? You've never met Him yet. We know Him from the Word of God, and except Christ is our Savior, we can have an eternal life and know that we're going to heaven. But one day, face to face, we're going to meet God. It's appointed unto every man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. That's the judgment coming. Now, I don't have to worry about the great white throne judgment. That's for the lost man. But I am going to have to stand to the judgment seat of Christ, where I will be rewarded for what I've done and suffer the loss of what I could have done and didn't do. So the Lord kind of tells us all these things. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn me to the book of Jude in verse 14. The book of Jude. All the way over there in the New Testament, believe it or not. The book of Jude. Verse 14. A brief little comment. Just a brief comment about a man named Enoch. man named Enoch. You often wonder, I wonder what happened in Enoch's life that caused him to be so dedicated that he had the testimony that he pleased God and God took him. A man that didn't physically die. Walking along and all of a sudden he disappears. Wouldn't it be awesome? Just walking along and gone. But look what he says. Now, you wouldn't know this if you read Genesis, but you'll notice this in the book of Jude. And he says there in verse 14, Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, 
And then he tells them why. He's coming with 10,000 of a saint, and he's going to execute judgment upon the earth. People are not going to get away with murder. God is a righteous God. He's just. If it was just justice that we wanted from God, all of us would die. So God balances that justice with love and mercy. And because of his mercy, we're not all consumed. Now, take your Bible and go to the book of Genesis in chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And you'll notice there's a couple things before the flood, the great flood upon the earth. People were born, they lived to be a great age. 71 is not a great age, just thought I'd throw that in there. These fellows lived a long time. I mean, long time. Look what it says there in Genesis chapter 5. See there in verse 5, And all the days that Adam lived, 930 years. 930 years. How would you like to live 930 years? Man, that's a long time to live. But then what happened to him? He died. He died. Still died. And you go down through here and you look at this. Look at verse 8. And all the days of Seth were 912 years. And he, he, he what? He died too. In verse 11, and he died. Up in verse 12, uh, 14. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years. Ah, he still croaked. He died. How long do you want to live? You'd be surprised how long we want to live. We're going to stretch it out there as far as we can. And if we can get to 70, wow, I got 70. Man, if I could just make it to 80. And he says, if you do make it to 80, more heartache and more sorrow, and then you still fly away. Psalms 90. You're still going to what? You're still going to die. So the question is, where are you going when you die? That's the important thing. I know that I have eternal life. You say, how do you know? Because I'm so good. No, no, no. It's because God is so good. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for all those things that I've done in my whole life. From the time I'm born to the time I die, he'd pay for all of my sins. All I have to do is believe he did it for me. And he would put that payment to my account. I go to heaven on what Christ did. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You can't buy it. Now, that's preparing to meet God. So regardless of how long you think you're going to live, and even though you try to live a good, clean life, you're still going to die. There's still going to be judgment. And are you prepared to meet God? Prepared. So all of life is preparation to meet God. So I know I'm going to meet him at the judgment seat of Christ. Some are going to meet him at the great white throne judgment. But I want to be prepared and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So he may come today, and if he does, the Bible says, My little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Because I believe a lot of Christians are going to be ashamed that they did not do with their lives what God wanted them to do. As a pastor, my only dream for you is to do exactly what you know God's word says you ought to do. That's all. And I simply want to help you get there. Look there at uh, this verse. See there, a, a man had a son. 
And uh, his name was Enoch. Verse 21 says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begot Methuselah. You ever heard of old man Methuselah? Now he's supposed to be the man that lived the longest. 969 years. That's almost 900 years longer than I've lived so far. I don't know if I'd want to live that long. But it says he was 65 years old and he had a kid. And he makes this statement. In verse 22, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. Now, know he didn't say he walked with God before he had him. It was after he had a son. And think about his son in the name Methuselah is when he is dead, judgment will come. So whenever you figure it out at the time of his life, at the end of it, the flood came. Something got a hold of Enoch because he lived another 300 years because he walked with God. And see in verse 23, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. That's all he got. 365. The other guy got 900. The other got 900. The other one got 900. And his son got 900. And he only got 300. Boy, he got robbed. Yeah, but he got to go to heaven without dying. I would rather go to heaven and not live long than to live long and go to hell. But every man is going to live, he's going to die. And are you prepared to meet God? Are you prepared? Was it because he had a son that did something to him? I've seen family sometimes, a husband and wife, and they just always at each other, and then God will bless them with a little precious little child. And that precious little child can cause a dad to wake up and says, you know, I need to be the right kind of a father. And that mom says, you know, I need to be a good mother for my baby. And something brings them together, something wakes them up. Maybe they see a dream for that child and they want God to help them. And so they dedicate their lives to raising their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Do you remember you did that? You remember you did that? And then after a few years, you became a bad testimony to your kids when you didn't walk with God and you went astray. You'd be surprised how many do that. What would it take for God to bring you back to him? Did you know that God can take your wife? God can take your kids. God can take your husband. God can take anything. See, God is free to do whatever God wants to do. But everything God does is for a reason, for a purpose. Don't ever think that regardless of what happens in life, that God doesn't love you. He does love you. He loved Israel. And he says, I, I did this and that didn't help. I did this, that didn't help. And it seems like there's just no end to it. All these things happen. Take your Bible look in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles in chapter 26. In chapter 26, there was a, a king that wasn't doing too well. He'd messed up. His name was Uzziah. And uh, he was about 16 years old and he was made a, a king. And he'd been done a pretty good job, but uh, in verse 7 says, and God helped him against the Philistines. So he did a few things right. And uh, he uh, was a little on the zealous side. He did some things he shouldn't have done. Look at verse 16. 
But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. He got too big for his britches. He got to the place where I'm the king. And I'm not a priest, but I'm going to do the work of the priest. I'm going to go in there and grab a hold of the horns of the altar, and I'm going to do this. And they told him, "Say you got no business in here. You're overstepping the boundary, bud. This belongs to the priest. This is their office. This is what they do. That is not your job. And he defied them. He's going to do it anyway. So he says, for he transgressed against the Lord his God, went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Zechariah, uh, Azariah, the priest went in after him and with him fourscore priests of the Lord. That's 80 of them that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah, the king, and said unto him, It pertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priest, the sons of Aaron, that the priest, the son of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense, go out of the sanctuary. For thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. You are in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. It's not your responsibility. Get out of here. You ever heard of being hard-headed? Set in your ways. And that God can't get through to you, and he's going to have to take a two before to you. Did you know, women, listen to me. If you've got a hard-headed husband, turn him over to the Lord. He'll do a better job than you ever will. Don't you try to straighten him out. Just let God, Lord, he's all yours. Have fun. And I can guarantee you, God will. God can deal. Look what else he says here. Down here in verse 19, then Uzziah was wroth. That means his countenance was changed. He was angry, mad, upset. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. The Lord smitten him. Now, did that have to happen? All he had to do was do right. But he brought this upon himself. You ever heard the story about, um, you know, Jonah and the whale? He brought that on himself. You see, God told him to go to Nineveh. He says, I will not. He ran. And when he ran from God, did he get away from God? No. God sent a storm. God sent a big old fish. Took him to the depths of the earth. And all kind of things that God did. But it didn't have to be that way. You'd be surprised how many things probably that you have had to go through and face in your life. It didn't have to be that way because, but you made some bad decisions. You see, when you sow wild oats when you're young, guess what you're going to reap when you get older? Wild oats. Except the law of the harvest is you reap more than you sow, lots more. And you'll reap later. And the same thing. 
So when you sow wild oats when you're young, you're going to reap wild oats when you get older. And a lot of older folks are suffering the consequences of decisions they made when they were not in the will of God. And then they pray for a crop failure. And it don't work that way. God says in the book of Galatians, in chapter 6, verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also you see, you're reaping what you sow. You want peace, sow peace. You want love, sow love. You want joy, sow joy. But you sow to the flesh, and you're going to have the flesh reap corruption. It's going to destroy your life. They can destroy your family. They can destroy the church and also a nation.